0: Hello and welcome to the podcast for Ray Church of the Nazarene. I'm Ben Beckner, senior pastor, and I'm glad that you have tuned in to listen to our services and sermons. We've reopened our sanctuary and would love to have you join us in person at 410 Blake Street in Ray, Colorado for our Sunday morning worship services that begin at 1045, if you feel comfortable to do so. We would also invite you to join us live on Facebook, YouTube, or our website, if that's a better fit for you at this time. Please visit our website at raynaz.com and our Facebook page for more information regarding our services. It is my prayer that you experience the presence of God during your time with us, whether in person or online. Again, thank you and welcome to our podcast. We do thank you once again for tuning into the podcast for Ray Church of the Nazarene. This week's message is entitled, A Heart Beyond the Norm, and it's part of our sermon series entitled, Beyond the Norm. The passage comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 26. And this week, we talk about how Jesus moved beyond the norm in relation to the law, that the norm was a way for us to understand why he made the law and allow our hearts to be changed in the process. Once again, we thank you for tuning in and listening. Have a great week. As I get started with my message this morning, I have a quick video that I want to share with you. Hey, bro. New car? Ah, it's old, man. DVD player? Man, the things they got these days. Remember when I was a little kid and we were so poor, we only had two channels. Oh, yeah? Just the news and. We didn't even have a TV. Oh, no? I used Etch a Sketch. Right, right. Uh, 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 uh. We were so poor back in the day, man, we used to actually wash our paper plate thing. Just one shoe, and they'd be like, hey, bro, I need a shoe. Nah, bro, I just found a shoe. I was so poor, and my dad was from Portugal, and my mama was from Singapore. Hmm. I was so poor, I had to speak Japanese. <clears throat> we were so poor, that mom would take us to the pond, and ducks would throw the bread at us. Hmm. And my dad, <laughs> thing about it, I had to do drive-bys on the public bus. They didn't have drive-bys, they would eat our house. And every time they did, our mom would send us out with frying pan and try to catch it. Oh, Yeah? Yeah. Well, we were so poor, that my mom made us use a fork to eat cereal. To save milk. Oh yeah? We were so poor that my mom would take us to KFC to lick other people's fingers. We were so poor that my mom created a Gmail account just so she could eat the stamp. I was so poor when people would do spray on the odor, I'm behind it like this. <laughs> we were so poor that our doorgot didn't say welcome, it said welfare. I got married just for the rice. Oh yeah, yeah. I was the poorest. Have you ever been around a one-upper? Yeah, a one-upper, one that just, you tell a story, you're sharing something, and they've got something, they've, they've experienced it so much better, or so much worse, depending on what you're doing, and it can be kind of annoying, but I'm um, I, I, sharing that with you this morning because um, Jesus, I think, was kind of the, the king of one-uppers, and we're going to be talking about that this morning as we go through the gospel of Matthew chapter 5 this morning. And Jesus, here in this passage, uh, takes what um, everybody kind of considered the norm and, and he kind of turned it on its head. And he, he was able to, to take what the Pharisees were, were considering the law and following the rules. And Jesus turned it into something that was a heart issue. And Jesus changed this norm and he wanted us to understand why he made the law and allow our hearts to be changed in the process. So this morning, I'd invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 21 through 26 this morning. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. Matthew 5, beginning in verse 21. He's, Jesus says this You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still with him on the way, where he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. So we see here Jesus begins to kind of lay out this one up that he is um, trying to get people to understand. And if we look at this passage, we can kind of see who, um, who kind of the players are and, and their understanding of, of God's law. Um, but Jesus says something interesting here at the beginning. He says, but I tell you. And he says this, and it's not a way of doing away with the law or adding his own beliefs. He's not just moving the finish line, so to speak. Rather, he was giving a fuller understanding of why God made that law in the first place. For example, Moses said, you shall not murder. We see that in Exodus chapter 20, uh, as as the, the Ten Commandments were given. But Jesus here teaches that we should not even become angry enough to murder, for then we have already committed murder in our heart. So he's taking what we have considered the law, the rule, pharisees who've who've kind of looked at that and said well i'm doing pretty good i haven't killed anybody i'm doing good but jesus kind of turns that on his head on its head because he's going taking it a step further he's taking it and making it an issue of the heart they were the pharisees we we understand are angry enough later on that they would even make this plot to kill jesus so Jesus was, was fully right in his explanation of this because he knew that even though the Pharisees, they didn't carry out this plot completely, they had somebody else do the dirty work, trying to keep themselves righteous. But Jesus was right on the point when he said that anger, as that develops and swells up with inside a person's heart, motivates them and causes this murder, even within their heart. So a couple of things here that I also want to point out to you. Do not murder, as it was talked about in Exodus chapter 20. And the Pharisees taught that murder consists of taking someone's life. But the Lord said the commandment extended not only to the act itself, but also to the internal attitude behind the act. Of course, we can all understand that murder is wrong. But the anger promoting or prompting the act is also as wrong as plunging in the knife. Jesus used a couple of references here too. He uses the word raka, used by Jews of the first century to show open contempt for another. Raka is derived from an Aramaic and Hebrew term meaning empty or worthless, literally meaning empty headed. Raka probably institutes an intellectual stupidity or inferiority rather than a moral deficiency. We get around people that use or call names, and it just, you know, you're not arguing, you're now insulting, and, that, and Jesus, again, is, is pointing back to this issue of the heart. Jesus also uses the term, you fool, and in the Greek, that translates as idiot, Later, Jesus also uses the term or the phrase, the fire of hell, which translates as jahana or Gehana, I'm not entirely sure, which means the valley of Hinnom, the valley south of Jerusalem where a continually burning fire concern, consumed the city refuse. This became an apt name for eternal punishment of the wicked. So what Jesus is trying to, to get them to understand is, again, it's this condition in this issue and position of the heart. It's more than just following a rule. It's more than just counting yourself righteous because I haven't killed anybody today, but because, but even goes so far as to say, dealing with this heart issue of, of even being angry with somebody. What becomes or what begins to, to settle deep in our heart as we become angry with somebody? What's that root? What comes out? What's the fruit of that? So that's where Jesus hones in on. Jesus hones in not on the actions as much as the heart. We can all understand and see that killing is a terrible sin, but anger is a great sin as well because it violates God's command to love. God's command to love. Weeks past, we've, we've worked through the book of Philippians and we talked about how, how Paul was trying to get this church to, to interact with each other with the, the, the supreme level of love, being able to love one another despite everything else that was happening, the, the conflicts, the, the tensions that happened between people. He was trying to get them to move beyond all of those things and begin to love. And here Jesus is honing in on that point when he says that anger gets in the way of us being able to love. Anger also keeps us from developing a spirit that is pleasing to God. Have you ever been around an angry person? They're just kind of generally angry. And they're just, no matter what you say, no matter what happens in their life, they always have an excuse to be angry. They've always found a reason to be angry. Things are just never good enough. Things don't measure up. And so their, their whole attitude, their demeanor, their response to everything comes from a position of anger. And that anger has taken root down in their heart. And Jesus is asking us to to deal with the condition of our heart. As good people, most of us will not find ourselves uh, committing the big sins like murder, right? Probably most of us today as we leave here are not going to go kill somebody, right? And so most of us are not even gonna be uh, tempted with some of those, those bigger sins. But we tend to compromise on some of these little things and those little compromises begin to drive a wedge, begin to cause a degree of separation. And separation I'm not a math whiz or genius by any means, but I remember learning in geometry parallel lines, right? And, and the debate was always if these lines are ever truly parallel. And in our own heart and in our own lives, if we allow some things to make things go askew, even the tiniest degree over... Does this one work? So over time, those parallel lines are no longer parallel, but they begin to diverge. There are things that happen that we allow, these compromises that allow us to move further and further. And it's so it's in, in bits and pieces. It's not these big things, typically. For some of us, for some of us that, that is a big thing. But by and large, we're not out living a life desiring to go and kill somebody, desiring to go and um, rob a store, those type of things. It's gonna be these little compromises, these little things that separate us over time. Jesus here also wants us to see how how this root of anger, how this root of anger affects our relationship with God himself. We see here that broken relationships hinder our relationship with God, and if we have a problem or a grievance with a friend, we should resolve the problem as soon as possible. We are hypocrites if we claim to love God While we hate others, our attitudes towards others reflect our relationship with God. Here Jesus says in verse 23, Therefore, if you are offering your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. What Jesus is saying here is that this is of such a high concern that he, he doesn't even wanna look at you until you get the things right. But it's out of, out of a heart of grace and it's out of a heart of love. So Jesus is, is encouraging us here to really value these relationships and really understand where we are in our relationship with others. Is there something that I've done that has hurt or offended somebody else that I'm aware of? Is there something that somebody has done to us that we need to let them know, this has hurt me. And so it's, it's of such a great concern that Jesus says, don't, don't bother making these sacrifices. Don't bother doing this until you get it right with your, your brothers, your sisters. So it's something we need to take very serious here. And I had a Calvin and Hobbes comic, and I think I forgot to put that in my PowerPoint. You guys a fan of, of Calvin and Hobbes? How many of you know who Calvin and Hobbes is? Okay, so most of you. So as we talk about that, it's not something foreign to you. Calvin and Hobbes, this little boy and his uh, his pet stuffed tiger. And they're they're having this conversation. And, and Susie was this girl that Calvin said he hated, but we all could see that he actually really liked her. And he would do things that, that would hurt her feelings and, and stuff. And he realizes that. He realized he's done something to hurt Susie's feelings and he's sharing this with Hobbs that that he's realized that this happens. And Hobbs like, well, maybe instead of talking to me, you should go talk to Susie. And he thinks about it for a minute and he says, was well, there something I can do that's a little less obvious? And I think we all tend to kind of do the same thing. We know that there may have been people in our life that we've hurt or there's tension or there's something that's happened. and And while we may have have kind of realized it and talked about it, we need to have that conversation with that other person. And Jesus even extends this a little bit further in this next passage where he talks about um, make this process of making things right. So where Jesus is talking here, again, he's talking about this change of the heart that we experienced here in the beginning of this passage. Next, we see that it affects our relationship with God. Now we also see that it affects our relationship here with others. So in verse 25, Jesus says, Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you have paid the last penalty. In Jesus' day, someone couldn't pay a debt who couldn't pay a debt, they were thrown into prison until the debt was paid. How does that make sense? How can I pay off a debt if I'm in prison? You can't. And so the person in prison was dependent on somebody else to pay that debt for them in order to get out. Or they would stay in prison. And I think it's important for us to realize that Because that gives us a perfect picture of the gospel, gives us a perfect image of what Jesus did. Because we've all done things that separate us from God. We've all done things that that is sin, that, that keeps us from having a relationship with him. Romans talks about that, the wages of sin is death, and we deserve that death. Jesus paid the price of death so that we could escape that He paid that on our behalf. We've been set free. And so being set free, he expects us to live in a certain way. Jesus here gives us some practical advice to resolve our differences with our enemies before their anger causes more trouble. In Proverbs chapter 25, verses 8 through 10, it says this, Do not bring hastily to court, for what will you do in the end if your neighbor puts you to shame? If you argue your case with a neighbor, do not betray another man's confidence or he who hears it may shame you and you will never lose your bad reputation. You, do, you may not get into a disagreement that takes you to court, but even small conflicts mend more easily if you try to make peace right away. In a broader sense, these verses advise us to get things right with our brothers and sisters before we have to stand before God. And again, it's a condition of the heart. All of these reveal a condition of the heart. Such wrongful attitudes should be dealt with and made right. Reconciliation between brothers must be accomplished, whether the innocent or the offending brother takes the first step. And that's the hardest step. Amen? I know when I'm arguing with my wife, I know I'm wrong, but I don't want to admit it, and I don't want to be the first to apologize. It could be laying there, and, you, and you, things are tense, and laying there in bed, and I'm just mad. But I know I'm wrong, and I know she's right. But being willing to take that first step and not allowing that, that anger, that issue to fester and to swell and to cause a greater division in our relationship. Even on the way to a court trial, a defendant should seek to clear up such problems. Jesus says here, otherwise the Sanhedrin, the Jewish court of 70 members, would send him to prison and he would be penniless. The call here is to live a life beyond the norm. The norm, the normal way, is to allow these issues, to allow problems, to allow conflicts to just kind of sit there and fester. Or we choose to maybe try to ignore them. It's not that bad. Or we dismiss it away. And is that forgiveness? No, it's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is this process of saying a couple of things here. I want to read this um, from Peter Kreeft. He says this, Mercy goes beyond justice. It does not undercut it. If I forgive you the $100 debt you owe me, that means I must use $100 of my own money to pay my creditors. I cannot really make you $100 richer without making myself $100 poorer. If the debt is objectively real, it must be paid. And if it is my mercy that repays your debt, I must pay it. That is the reason why Christ had to die. Why could, Why God cannot simply say, forget it. Instead, he said, forgive it. And meant that if we do not pay it, he This morning I don't know where this message finds you today. I know that I've said and done some pretty amazingly stupid things to people that I never really intended to. I've made do- have done some things that have hurt it, hurt or offended somebody. And if I have, and I want to make that right. And if you knowingly have done that to somebody else, Today is a great day. Jesus' invitation here is to make things right with one another. And as a church family, sometimes we do things that hurt one another. Sometimes it's intentional. I would venture to say most of the time it's not. But we need to have these conversations with one another. We need to seek reconciliation. We need to make things right as much as we can with one another. God is pleased with that because that then is an opportunity for God to begin to work on our heart even more to to make our relationship back with him the way it's supposed to be those parallel lines so again I don't know where this finds you today but I would encourage you wherever you're at to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you today maybe there is somebody you need to talk to Maybe your conscience is clear, and praise God for that. But maybe there's some separation, some things, some um, compromises that you have made that have caused some separation, that have caused some 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 barriers between you and the Lord. So today is a great day. As a praise team makes their way up this morning, I want to pray for you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this call to live beyond the norm, to love beyond the norm, to forgive beyond the norm. So, Father, I pray that you help us today, strengthen us, maybe evict us. We invite you here, God, to search our hearts today. I pray, God, that you would give us the courage to have conversations with people. Whether we are offended or we're the offendee, would you help us to take the first step? Would you help us to desire you in your presence in our life above all? And the way that we deal with and the way that we love others is a reflection of that. So God, as we make this first step towards you, Help us to make these steps with others, to seek reconciliation. Speak to us today, Father. We ask these things in your name. Amen.